Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Woody Actually from Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is alternative listening for diehard fans. I am Rana Hussein, your host, and I am a footy fan. And with me is AFL analyst Gemma Bastiani, as always. Hi, Gemma. Hello. How are you? (laughs) I thought you were just going to wave. I was going to have to remind you that it was an audio medium. (laughs) I feel like everyone should know that I wave to you at that point in the podcast every week. (laughs) It's very lovely. Um, It was a weird weekend of football. I mean, it would have been incredibly stressful to have any sort of responsibility in football this week, right? Completely. Like, I work in cricket now and my CEO always talks about we need to spare a thought for our winter sport family who are just struggling last year and this year I mean if we thought last year was hard like this year they just must be so exhausted by it all and just constantly having to work it all out I mean they did a really good job but still and frustrated that we shouldn't be in this position and people have let us down to be in this position as well imagine working at AFL house and then, or at a club, and then also having to go into lockdown and just being so frustrated, like watching everything go on around the country. Ugh. Well, and the, yeah. the last moment changes on Saturday's fixture. If you're a part of a broadcast team who oh. two hours out from the game, or more than two hours, but that morning found out that the game you're doing is actually a different game, how quickly you need to prep. And it just shows the value of being over-prepared across more areas than you think you're going to need to because then in case of that happening, you can step up and be ready. I bet it was stressful as. But also, like, for example, the Richmond game, um, their charity part that was the game for their charity partner who that you know there's so much planning that goes into it. They've got um, targets to reach for fundraising. Like I just really felt for an Alana and Madeline Foundation because <laughs> they got a bit of a bum steer or whatever that phrase is. Um, but it's the story of the last year and a half, isn't it? And 
you'd think we'd be used to it by now, but it seems to hurt just as much every time we have to pivot. We shouldn't have to be used to it. That's the problem. No, that's true. Well, I mean, it was aside from COVID rearing its ugly head again, um, it was just a really interesting round of results and games. We got a draw. It it was all happening. (laughs) I think it showed us a lot about teams that think they're ready to play finals and probably aren't and teams that could genuinely have a crack there. Absolutely. We'll get into it. You, there were some great performances on the weekend and you wanted to start with Port. Yeah, so last week we flagged this game as being a really important one in terms of understanding where each of Port and St Kilda were at. So I thought we should touch on them again uh, post-game to see kind of the result of that. Obviously, Port won the game, mm. but I don't know that I'm convinced that it's enough. I don't know that they are a team that can do that damage because we the the line about them has been the flat track bully thing. They can't beat teams <laughs> above them or teams within the eight. This was another kind of game that proved that to a certain extent. Um, obviously... Ollie Wines was fantastic and he got the 10 coaches votes and we all agree that Ollie Wines having a great year. Mitch Georgiatis is the one though that um, I think deserves a lot of attention. He kicked the four goals, but he just, he's a really reliable, when he's on, he's a really reliable forward who you can kick it to as that second forward behind Charlie Dixon, who does struggle to stay in games for long enough or get into a game. Whereas Georgiatis does proved to be that reliable backup to that even when Todd Marshall's in the side he's kind of overtaken him his name has come up a few times in this podcast I think you've shouted him out into talking about Port Adelaide before yeah and he also wears the number 19 which we all know is the best number to wear um (laughs) Lucy Race knows what I'm talking about um so I think he was one. Carl Amon, I think, was another one. I think he's vital to Port Adelaide's fortunes. He uses the ball really well. He applies pressure. He had 10 tackles. And then he also hits the scoreboard. He kicked two goals. So I think Carl Amon is another one that kind of slides under that radar when everyone's talking about Ollie Wines or they're talking about Trav Boak, who deservedly get talked about, but there's more to the picture. Mm. Um, for the Saints, they're very clearly a better side when Rowan Marshall is in. and you know, the stats stack up with their win-loss ratio when he's in or out of the side. Obviously, they lost this one, but he kicked two goals. He had seven score involvements. He's he's not just important when it comes to the ruck. It's just structure of the team. And the Saints mm. move the ball better. I mean, albeit they had some really poor kicking on the weekend, but they move the ball better when he's in the side with Paddy Ryder because they can structure up better in the forward half, take some pressure off Max King and Tim Membry. So the Saints, they didn't play well in this game. We need to accept that. Uh, Mm. But I don't know that it told us about Port, what we were hoping to get from them either. They confuse me completely. I don't know what to make of them. So Port or both both of the sides? Both of them, to be honest. And we've talked about Saints before that they are confusing. So, I mean... Accurate. I don't know. I don't know what to uh, actually just if I were a fan, I don't know what I would want to see from them. Mm, yeah. Or you wouldn't you wouldn't go into any game feeling comfortable, would you? 
No. And maybe that's what you want. You want to get to the point where you can trust their performance. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get there at some point. Carlton, you could say the same thing about. (laughs) But they came through on the weekend against Collingwood. Yeah, so the thing that really stood out about this win for Carlton was that last quarter because we've seen Collingwood decimate Mm. teams in final quarters in the three weeks leading up to this game. So in round 15 against Frio, they kicked five goals, one in the last quarter. Round 16 against St Kilda, they kicked five goals, six in the last quarter. And then the week uh, prior to this game against Richmond, they kicked seven goals, two in the final quarter. That uh, They won two, lost one of those. So when at three-quarter time, when the Blues were down by eight points, it looked pretty worrying because we've seen this is the way Collingwood play. In the last quarter, they really get themselves together and really just turn it on. So it didn't look great for the Blues, but the fact that they came out, kicked six goals, four of their own, and held Collingwood goalless, that was massive. That showed a real maturity, I think, in the way they wanted to play. They identified what they were up against and nullified that. Um, And obviously Harry Mackay is just having an outstanding season in a team that has Mm. been inconsistent. He uh, is now sitting on 51 goals for the season. He is the first uh, Carlton player to kick 50 goals or more in a season in a decade. Um, and he's leading the Coleman yeah. race. So that's a huge positive for Carlton. Then you add on the Sam Walsh factor, who is a star. Like, we know that he's a star. We know everyone's talking about him. People are talking about him for the Brownlow, which I think is a little bit of a stretch <laughs> at this stage. Um, yeah. But we know the player that Sam Walsh is. Um, he won lots of the ball. He got plenty of clearances. He kicked that really incredible goal in the final quarter when it really mattered. Um, he just sees everything so clearly, even when he's under the heaviest of pressure, he stays calm, he's mature, he makes good decisions. And that really is something that I think there are players at Carlton that are looking at and trying to emulate. And I think Paddy Dow has come a long way in the past few weeks as well um, towards that. And there are a few other players that you would suggest are, are looking to him in a leadership capacity as well, which I think is pretty incredible for a kid in his, what, third year? Mm. Um, I was so wet. Like I really expected Collingwood to come back hard in that fourth quarter and they just didn't. And I really, it was a credit to Carlson to really step up and win that game. Yeah, absolutely. Fun one to watch actually. Yeah. Unless you're a Collingwood supporter. Unless you're a Collingwood supporter. (laughs) True. Uh, Giants and Swans. Let's talk about this one because it was... There was drama swirling this game beforehand. Imagine being in both of those sides, really, and just having to deal with all that and then take the field. Of course, we're talking about COVID exposure sites being named, meaning that a huge amount of players just weren't able to play because they had to isolate. Yeah, so that's why we're going to touch on this game. We're not going to go too much into the game itself, even though I would love to spend plenty of time talking about it. Um, and Justin McInerney. But the fact that, you know, less than an hour out from this game, like the players that got pulled were warming up with their teammates on the field when this information was found out. The players that had to come into both sides weren't even at the ground when they found out that they needed to be playing. 
less than an hour before the game began. Um, obviously, I know from the Swans' perspective, the story has been told in a little bit more detail because they did come away with the win. But obviously, Toby mm-hmm. Green and Matt DeBoer were both pulled from the Giants and uh, Harry Cunningham, uh, Callum Mills and Colin O'Reardon were pulled from the Swans team. All of them had gone to the rugby in Victoria uh, in Melbourne last Tuesday, which the tier of the exposure had been upgraded in the moments before the match. So that meant according to Queensland regulations, they had to isolate for 14 days, even though they had returned a negative test because that's what Queensland uh, laws state. So uh, James Rowbottom, uh, Dylan Stevens, and Ben Ronk all had to come into the Swans side. Ben Ronk is the medical sub. All of them had played the previous day. So they had to assess which players were going to get up best medically from having played a match the day before. And I'm sure that this was the case for the Giants as well uh, to come into the side, to be able to play another match the day after and at a higher level as well. So I think we need to really give credit, not just to the players that came in and had to do that because that's an incredibly difficult task, but to their teammates around them to be able to support that and adjust on the run. Because even Josh Kennedy, the captain of the Swans, 20 minutes before the game had no idea what was really happening. So uh, everyone's doing it tough during COVID, including these players who are still expected to perform at the level we expect any other year, even though they're dealing with these circumstances and, and they're not the only sport. I know that. I know netball is dealing with a lot right now as well, especially being in South Australia. Mm. But you know, it's a pretty incredible feat. And then to perform in the way that they did, the game was incredible to watch. The momentum swings of it. Obviously, GWS fell away a little bit late in the game, but the momentum swings, the things that happened and the way structures didn't seem to be affected by really key players being pulled out of both sides. I think that that's pretty incredible. And I wanted to give a shout out to Sam Taylor as well, who... I think he's really underrated as a key back in the competition. He's probably in the top handful of key defenders, one-on-one key defenders in the comp, alongside the likes of a Stephen May or a Jacob Wiedering or a Tom McCartan. Sam Taylor, he's been dealing with those hip injuries and all those sorts of issues. He's an outstanding one-on-one defender, so keep an eye on him. It's a really, it's a point well made that there's so much that goes into those games and teams getting onto a field anyway that as soon as there's any kind of crisis it takes a lot of people to make it work Absolutely. Um, we saw that in play this weekend oh and it was just such an enjoyable round I thought yeah all of that sorry to interrupt you I just wanted to like re-highlight again the fact that we need to manage our expectations based on what mm. uh these uh not just uh, these clubs, I guess, are going through. And again, across all sports, not just footy, but you can't expect the same level of output when they're dealing with X, Y, and Z behind the scenes as compared to other years where it's a more straightforward approach. And I think that's something people need to take a little bit more into consideration. I feel like it's the opposite, though, at the moment, that we are so much of our sporting codes and clubs and bodies in general, like I do as well from an inclusion point of view and a gender equity point of view, like on every level we want sport to be better um, while it simultaneously negotiates its place in this ridiculously... (laughs) 
post-apocalyptic world it feels like and so I do think you know in general we need to adjust our expectations of what is actually possible at the moment from anyone well even when it comes to a skill error on the field or a low scoring match like just take the fact that you've got it right now I think is something that we need to be a bit more appreciative of the fact that we have live sport uh, still Mm -hmm. because there were moments last year where it didn't feel like it was coming back and we're pretty lucky to have it this year as well. So maybe be less critical. Mm. Well, that's a really awkward um, place to end because we're about to go into putty socks up. Yes, my bad. (laughs) Where we will be critical. Just just not bit. super critical, just a little bit of like, you know, maybe just pull your socks up a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with um, anyone who's transporting a club to their game, to a, t- a footy team to their game, to maybe just leave an hour extra early. <laughs> um, of course, I'm referring to Richmond being late to the game. <laughs> Um, at Metricon and they were just plain stuck in traffic with no toilets on board apparently which caused a bit of an issue for Jack Rewell it sounds like um, so maybe yeah to to the team schedule people and the bus driver just just leave a little bit earlier it's wild to think that this game was delayed by 15 minutes but the Swans GWS game was not <laughs> <laughs> yes I know. I mean, look, it was a last-minute pivot to being at Metricon, but still, yes, they'd already been there for quite some time. <laughs> um, I don't know what happened there. They just, just got stuck in traffic, like yeah. we all do, I guess. Um, mine is uh, probably a little bit more cutting, so I apologise in advance. But watching – we headed into this round – with some higher expectations of a few teams that were in some good form and that we thought we could, that could do some really interesting things this weekend. And I think we were let down by a few of them. Um, And one of those was Fremantle. And the thing that was really evident watching Fremantle play against Geelong was that it felt like they hadn't prepared for the opposition they were playing because they Mm. seemed to really lack an awareness of how quick a lot of the Geelong players were, how much time they had with the ball, um, where their players were positioned in relation to who the opposition was. It just seemed really odd uh, because Mm. it's not like the opposition has changed, had changed for them prior to this game that I can recall. Um, And I had a conversation uh, post a, or during the AFLW season with Fremantle's uh, women's program and how they adapt to a floating fixture where you don't know who you're going to be playing the following week until the Monday prior and how you deal with opposition analysis and preparation in that respect. So the way Fremantle, it seemed like within their women's program, they had that down. Uh, But within the men's program, and this could have just been a really off match, but so often we saw Fremantle players with the ball just taking their time and being run down from behind because Geelong do have some really quick players um, mm-hmm. or just not adapting to the structures that were in front of them. 
And yes, they did deal with injuries and all that sort of stuff, but it was the little moments where they chose to take the extra moment before they took their kick or chose to run that little bit more or take that bounce when, you know, you don't have the luxury of time on an AFL M footy field. Um, so I think that's the thing that stood out to me this weekend. And there were, there was one other team that did it in a similar fashion, but I don't think I had as high expectations for them. So therefore I'm focusing it on Fremantle. Very interesting. I would no, never have even considered that um, in terms of Freo, but that is so fascinating. Is it something that you could ask or you would have asked in the press conference, Gemma? Uh I, I'm fascinated by opposition analysis. I would love to have a role. Like, I think that would be such an interesting role to understand how the opposition team plays and how you can uh, bypass that. Um, yeah, that pro- I mean, it's not the question I've got written down, but yeah, I would probably raise that if I had the opportunity to. You would have loved it working at a club. We got to sit in on opposition um, oppo meetings at Richmond um, every now and then staff members would get to and to be honest most of it went over my head but I used to still <laughs> find it really interesting and I learned so much yeah um, it is it's fascinating anyway we should probably talk about the press and what you would actually ask in a press conference it feels like a fairly obvious one but I'd love to ask Leon Cameron and John Longmire what goes through your head when you're told less than an hour before your game that you have to pull important players, both play, both teams had to pull really important players from their side. So I'd love to know what the thought process is like, what, who's your first thought to talk to? How do you decide who you're bringing in? How do you explain that to your players when you've got no time to restructure anything? I would just love to ask all those questions. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, surely you just go into like problem solving mode and just it's very sharp, short conversations of just get in there and do whatever it is you can do. And a big reliance on your on field leaders as well. Which one, who would you ask a question of, Rana? I would probably ask. And this is normally I go with something a bit silly, but this is just a genuine question to both Simon Goodwin and Alistair Clarkson, which is what do you do as a coach in the moments after a draw? What is the conversation that you're saying to your players? And I have to think that they were different conversations for each team because credit to Hawthorne, they played a really good game and I was so impressed and certainly my um, Outer Sanctum chat group were very <laughs> impressed as well. I had, to, I had to take myself to bed early to let them celebrate. Um, but, you know, there was it was clearly like a win vibe for them and Melbourne uh, really looked disappointed at the end. And I'd, I'd love to know if Simon Goodwin in particular was saying, you know what, at least it's not a loss or if he was like, that was basically a loss for us. I'd love to know how they frame it. Yeah, would be interesting. I think you've hit the nail on the head on the, the public sentiment in terms of each team. Totally. It was so dire for Melbourne. <laughs> and supporters were so happy. Um, you know, happy for them. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, it's time to anoint our play on performer for the week. I am so pleased with who you've selected this <laughs> week, Gemma. So pleased and couldn't agree more. Tell us who it is. So, like with every week, there, there's so many players we could choose. We could talk about Luke Parker, we could talk about Ollie Wines, we could talk about Jack Steele. Like, there are so many players, but the player that stood out to me this week was Mabio Chol, um, because I think he was the one who took the game away from Brisbane when it was there to be taken. Brisbane didn't have any players that could nullify him, that could match him both in the air and on the ground. Um, and then he obviously also goes through the ruck. So he's, he's a pretty dominant player in every area that he does play. And this was obviously his best game. Um, he was a joy to watch in this game. He seemed like he was genuinely enjoying himself, which I I don't expect is any different from any other game, but we got to see it a lot more when he kicked four goals. Um, and I just think, yeah, he used the ball beautifully. He had 10 disposals at 90% efficiency. So nine times out of 10, nine of his 10 disposals he was using well. Um, so yeah, hit the scoreboard, had an impact in the ruck, got around the ground he took four marks as well. So he was providing an aerial contest, um, which allowed other players to get out out of space a little bit or off the leash a little bit. He also had four clearances. So he was doing the job every area of the ground. And again, I think he was the one that took the game away from Brisbane. He reminds me a bit of Buddy Franklin. That's interesting. I think there's something there. And I think that with a bit more confidence and I mean like that's real self-belief that he's he's that type of player I think he could really be amazing uh and I just I hope he gets there well speaking of um Buddy Franklin comparisons I should have also mentioned Jamara Hagen, mm-hmm. who if it hadn't been for him, I th- and we don't know who the rising star nominee is yet. Maybe it's been announced while we're recording this, um, but I haven't seen it. Had it not been for Jamara Hagen, I'd be saying that Ollie Henry was a shoe in for the rising star norm. But Hagen, those three goals that he kicked were incredible. Amazing. Incredible. A lot of pressure was put on him last week after debuting mm. against a good side and having to play against very good defenders, getting uh, delivery from teammates that wasn't great, 
now we see when he's got a bit more of the support from his teammates what he can do and it's glorious isn't it absolutely going back to Marbs, i think the other thing is from an inclusion and diversity point of view there's a whole community of young Sudanese, South Sudanese, Eritrean, uh, young people from the Horn of Africa who have migrated here who are going into basketball and who could totally be brought into AFL if they've got yeah. footy in their hands from a young age. Um, you look at CJ as well. Um, Aaliyah. It just... This, so many types, body types too, in those communities. And they their athleticism really lends itself to our game. I just think the future is so bright there. And I can't wait to see them come into the game more and more. Yeah, and impact the game too. Absolutely. Yeah. Aaliyah Aaliyah has single-handedly increase my love for Port Adelaide by the way (laughs) (laughs) I really love watching you play anyway (laughs) uh let's look at next round god knows what's gonna happen (laughs) as it stands um let's preview a couple of games you're gonna look at the big one Melbourne versus Western Bulldogs yeah so Full disclosure, we're recording this on Monday night, about an hour after the fixture has actually been re-released. Uh, so we had to quickly decide, re-decide on which games we were talking about because both of us chose <laughs> games that are no longer happening. Um, I mean, you can't go past the Melbourne Western Bulldogs battle because um, mm. the, it's, it's a top-of-the-table clash again. Last time they played, Melbourne was in very good form and, and got the win. And it was reliant on those intercepting defenders um, to stop a- any positive ball movement for the dogs. Melbourne are in a bit of a form slump, but they do this thing where they'll play to the level of their opposition. So if they're playing an opposition that they think is poorer, they don't show up as much. So it's a very much a mental thing. But when they're playing a, an opposition that maybe they respect more or is higher on the ladder... They perform a lot better. So I expect a much better performance out of Melbourne in this one. Um, what does that even mean for finals then? That is what terrifies me because it's so true. We made that comment about Melbourne on the weekend. And I was just like, what on earth then? Like, what? They're like the opposite of flat track bullies, aren't they? Yes. They're like the opposite of Port yeah. Adelaide. Yeah. I also wonder if Melbourne try things against the bottom of the ladder teams I feel like they try up try different things and test things out but then when they're playing the top tier teams they really go for it I like I'm hoping that's the case and it's not a mental thing because that stresses me out if it's a mental thing that they just play at the level of their opponent like that scares the bejesus out of me I as a fan I'm sorry to say I definitely think it's mental (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because they do things that they know that otherwise wouldn't do in terms of like individual performance. And I'm going to be uh, dragged over the coals by Melbourne supporters for saying this. And I already have by my mother and my brother who are Melbourne supporters, but I stand by my feelings of this. <sighs> I'm really scared to say it now. 
<laughs> I think Go Melbourne on. are a poorer team when Jack Viney is playing in the midfield. Oh, okay. I don't think they function as effectively when he's in the midfield unless he's playing a tight tagging role. Mm. Because I don't think he has the impact that their other big-bodied mids can have. And I think that Tom Sparrow is the player who has been uh, disadvantaged by this because every time Jack Viney comes back into the side, Tom Sparrow is the one that gets kicked across to being a medical sub. Tom Sparrow works incredibly. Where would he play, Viney? I would love to see him played across the half-forward line, add to their forward pressure, which I know that they've got a bit of with um, Pickett and with Spargo. But I would love to see him moved out of that midfield, allow allow the versatility of Petrarca, Oliver, and then a third, whether it's um, a James Jordan or a Tom Sparrow or someone else running through there because they've been trying to run Pickett through there a little bit. Mm. I like the more diverse um, style of player in the midfield. I think when Viney goes into there and he's not strictly playing a tagging role, he makes them to one note and he doesn't use the ball as well as the others do. And it does get them into trouble a little bit. They get into that handballing into trouble game instead of the breakaway um, powerful stoppage clearance that we see Christian Petrarca get or a Clayton Oliver get. Um, and I know that Jack Viney, he's a favorite of Melbourne supporters. He's this is that I don't think he works in terms of the balance in that midfield. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I don't yeah. hate that. I actually think that that's kind of correct. Uh, every um, time I say that to a Melbourne supporter, I get my head bitten off though. So Yeah, but yeah, of course. But I think I, I've been seeing his game and thinking, oh, I don't know about this. So it's, I'd never thought about it in the terms that you just put it, but now that you've said it, it does make sense. So like to say it sorry i interrupted you mid preview you were talking about something no you're fine um the only other thing worth noting about this game is that josh dunkley won't be playing because he is another player who has been at a tier one exposure site uh so he has to isolate for 14 days i think it only ends up being nine days or something from now but it means he won't be in this game so he returned last week and then is out again uh western bulldogs were challenged last week uh, by North. Uh, I think they're gettable with the Melbourne that shows up against good teams. Uh, what Melbourne actually does remains to be seen. <laughs> well, we'll get you a tip in a minute when we do our tips. Um, <laughs> I am going to talk about the grand final rematch, which is. Oh, John I didn't even think about it like that. Richmond, indeed. Date and time to be confirmed. <laughs> It's telling me. So, I mean, it's not surprising that their previous... So it's no surprise that Richmond have won most of their previous games against each other, except for May when they last played each other. And Geelong absolutely thumped them. So it's going to be an interesting one. I think now without Dusty, I think... On top of all their other injuries, I don't know that Richmond could win this one, but it'll be interesting to see anyway what Geelong come up with 
and what Richmond come up with given everything that they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Both teams are in reasonable form at the moment. Um, Obviously, some injuries impact that, but I think it'll be quite a willing contest. It'll be a great game to watch, but I think... I think with Dusty that it would have been a really, really interesting one and I would have even said potentially Richmond win, but I don't know now. That is a big blow for Richmond this season. All right, let's do some listener questions before we do our tips, I think. Okay. Uh, I've got one for you, Gemma. Yes. And I have a feeling you're not, Essendon fans won't love it, but (laughs) let's do it anyway. How would Essendon go in a final series this year? They may play finals. I mean, not to take anything away from the improvement Essendon have made because they absolutely have. Uh, we can see it. They've drafted very cleverly the kinds of players they've drafted in. Um, that Those young players are really fun to watch. I don't think that they're at the level yet where they can do any damage in a final series, but it, it doesn't feel like it's as far off as it has in the past. Yeah, I think that's the nice part with Essendon. They're not far off. No, but it's not this year either. No, but it'll be interesting to see what they do come up with in a finals. I mean. Campaign. The one I can think of is 2017, uh, very vividly. Uh, Um, Yes, that's true. uh, But then last, was it last year? Year before when they were going to, they had to go and play West Coast in Perth. And Essendon supporters were like, this is the one. I'm like, are you serious? You think this is the one you're going to win? It was very odd. (laughs) Oh, that's very funny. All right. Well, I mean, I kind of, I'm intrigued to see what they come up with if they do. Yeah, like a a finals loss this year doesn't mean what a finals loss in recent years would have for Essendon, if that makes sense. I think if Essendon make the finals and then, are competitive in the game they play but still lost, I think that's still a win for them. Yeah, and it's also a win for the that Twitter account, uh, a day since Essendon won a final, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny to everyone except True. Essendon supporters. Anyway, um, there's another question here, Rana, and I think there both is. of us will uh, both of us will chat about this one. Mm. Do you think there should be extra time in case of a draw? Shootout. No, I don't think shootout is a good idea. Um, No, I don't think so. I like it the way it is. I think maybe in finals there should be. Yeah. But in finals, absolutely, because you need a you need a result to proceed. (laughs) But during the season, well, you need a win-loss result to proceed, I should say, because a draw is a result. It's a result. And, I, yeah, yeah. In finals, there must be a win or a loss. So I think time, extra time is good. But outside of that, I think a draw is important to have on occasion. Can I just say I love draws? 
And I know that I'm probably <laughs> in the minority here, but I think Why they're so. The I think the theatre of them is amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I love the idea. I think it's better than a one point win or a two point win or loss because all those little moments mean so much more right throughout the game. And I love that. And, you know, people will blame umpiring or they blame this or they blame that. But I also like to look back on it and see the parts where a team stopped it from being a loss for them. So there was a a couple of moments with Harry Petty late in that Hawthorne Melbourne game Mm. on the weekend that absolutely kept it being a draw and not a loss for Melbourne, which is super important for them to remain on top of the ladder. They still come away with two points on the ladder and it's got this spectacle and, you know, Harry Petty kind of shone in those couple of one-on-ones and things like that. That's what I like to reflect on. Also, what's people's problem with a draw? I think it's great. I think it's that that it's unsatisfying, but I'm a fan of chaos and chaos, yes, entirely chaos. So I don't mind it. I do think uh, that it would have been so weird to play without a crowd and then to end with a draw on top of that. Like it just would have been so strange. All I can remember as well is uh, so last year. You know how we had the shutdown. And then sport came back, uh, footy came back, I should say. Men's footy came yes. back. I remember having dinner at my, it was a Thursday night, that, that game, the Collingwood-Richmond game. I remember having dinner at my nonna's house because every Thursday we, had, we have dinner at my nonna's house when we're not in lockdown. And I said before I left, I hope it's a draw to my whole family. That's what I said to them. I go home and I watched it and it was a draw and I got so many messages <laughs> from my family being like, how did you pick that? I was like, I didn't. I just said I hoped. I didn't say it would happen. I think the the drama of the return of men's <laughs> footy last year being a draw between Collingwood and Richmond was yeah. just amazing. I know. I remember that too. And it was just that thing of what world are we living in yeah. now? This is just, <laughs> it just added to the oddity of it all. I loved yeah. it. Oh, well, well let, I mean, I couldn't take many, many draws in a season, but the odd one is I'm okay with. I just yep. was not thrilled that it was my team. But anyway, <laughs> I take that over a loss. So, yeah, exactly. Know. Two points Which is better than no did. points. Okay, let's get some tips before we head out of here. We'll start with Friday, Port Adelaide versus Collingwood. This is scheduled to be at Adelaide Oval. I believe Port Adelaide will win this. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm dipping Port as well. Brilliant. Saturday, Carlton versus North Melbourne. This is scheduled for Marvel Stadium. I think Carlton have this one, although North did a really good job on the weekend. Yeah, I'm tipping Carlton but not convinced. And not because I think Carlton are terrible, but because I think North are much better than we realise. Agree. I'm really happy for North. I mean... After they play Sydney and lose, then I'll be happy for North. Okay. All right. I'll hold my horses for you. Um, Staying on Saturday, Brisbane Lions versus Gold Coast Suns. This is at the Gabba. I have to think the Lions will win this. Yeah. Brisbane have now had time to figure out their structures without Eric Hipwood in the side. So there's no excuses this time. Mm. 
Also on Saturday, West Coast Eagles versus the Saints at Optus Stadium. Uh, this is a really weird one for me. I actually don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is another really hard one to tip because... I mean, I think the home ground advantage, but oh, who knows? The only thing that sways me bef- toward West Coast is the fact that the Saints have to go through the quarantine situation. They don't have full selection of players. They're a bit thin for key defenders uh, because of that situation, which tells me that a trio of Kennedy, Darling and Allen could really get off the hook. Let's hope so. I'd love to see it from West Coast. I think they need a win. I mean, they won Uh, on the weekend. Another win. (laughs) (laughs) they don't actually i don't know why i said that uh adelaide versus hawthorne on saturday night again anyone's game really but i think hawthorne have i don't know they're onto something yeah they take the momentum from this weekend into this game and maybe win yeah i'm going hawthorne adelaide just barely showed up on the weekend against west coast at home. So if they can't do that, then I don't have hopes for them beating too many other teams. Also on Saturday night, Melbourne versus Western Bulldogs. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm actually thinking that Western Bulldogs win this one. I'm hoping that they don't. I'm very, very concerned. I'm going with Melbourne purely on the idea that they show up against teams they think are better than them Mm, my god i hope so get it into your heads fellas (laughs) (laughs) then we're looking at a raft of games that are not fully scheduled yet for sunday first up should be essendon versus gws not sure where and not sure when essendon no chubby green yeah essendon have this for me yeah Geelong versus Richmond, as we've talked about, this one's scheduled for the MCG, just not sure what time. I think Geelong win this. Yeah, I'm going Geelong as well. And then 12.30 on Sunday at Metricon Stadium, we've got Sydney Swans versus Fremantle. I think Sydney will win this one. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the fact that West Australians, so a lot of Frio fans, have to watch this one at half 10 in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> I mean, I, less than ideal. I, I kind of love it. It's like brunch footy. Brunch footy. Ask yeah, the WA like, people if they like that. Thin night footy. I like brunch footy. Um, yeah, I'm going to tip the Swans. Last time these teams met, the Swans were in a little bit of a weird form patch um and they lost by one point two points with that nat five goal um yeah i think the swans are more settled now have worked themselves out errol goulden is back in the side which is all important we know and also it's monday's 350th so it's gonna be a weird one oh everything's weird anyway so why not apologies all right well that's it for us for another week let's see what what the weekend brings where can people find you rana if they want to follow you on places i'm at rana horse on twitter 
And you are at GL Bastiani. Correct. <laughs> and we are at Play on Radio Melb. Yes, that is also correct. Us? <laughs> we'll see you there. Who needs love when you've got footy actually? the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Boll & Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Boll & Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bollandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.